Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Black Love Bites with me, Joy Francis. And me, Patsy Isles. The topic under the microscope today is fatherhood and friendship with a bit of photography thrown in. So, what are you laughing about? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell already we've, it's going to be quite a, a lively discussion today because in the studio we've got Lee Townsend and Bamson. Lee Townsend is a photographer, founder of Lenses of Croydon and a community development worker for the Croydon BME Forum, among whatever else takes his fancy really. In this role, he supports the Fathers Forum, a monthly meeting of fathers founded by Father of Three, Emmanuel Jatto, for dads to come together and speak freely without judgment. He is ma- he's a married father of two girls. Bamson is an established live music photographer for over 10 years with a particular focus on reggae and dancehall artists. I mean, his name alone sounds like he's a dance, dancehall <laughs> artist anyway. Um, he has photographed performers such as Rita Ora, Jason Derulo, Taurus Riley, David Rodigan, and is an official tour photographer for dancehall star Sean Paul. He is married and has a son. Welcome, Liam Bamson. Welcome, guys. Hello, thank you. <laughs> okay, so you're both photographers photographers you both live in Croydon um you're both married you're both fathers what's the connection between you what what, what actually brought you together how did you meet it's, it's kind of crazy um I was covering an event was it um some comedy show yeah um, put on by the guys from on top of them and Bampson was doing some instant print photography in another room and I was like raw how come they got this guy in here doing this and they know that I do that? That's not quite right. I was kind of sneaking around, checking out the equipment, what he was doing, how he was working, and just just observe. Never, we never exchanged any words whatsoever. And then one evening at the forum that we host in Croydon, so the Croydon Photographer Forum is an event that's held on the second Tuesday of every month, which is free for the community, where we bring down pro photographers to speak. Bampton was there, so I introduced myself and said, but I know your face. And he's like, I know yours too, but I can't think where. And then it just clicked. Yes. And from there, the rest has been history. Um, great support um just just a real solid friend in fact in the short space of time that we've known each other probably two to three years he's actually the god the godfather sorry of my youngest child so it's kind of amazing how things have panned out somebody mm. has to protect her <laughs> <laughs> nice connection so about you Bamson? i mean he's saying about how what the connection was for him envy and the fact yeah. he wants to know who's this man taking over my turf so what what was the sort of connection what do you what do you like about um, it's not a dating show, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but what do you like about Lee? You know, um, well, when I went to the original um, forum uh, that night, um, I just saw this this great community of of like minded creatives, photographers. This is Lenses of Croydon, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how did and you find out about Lenses of Croydon? Funnily, it was just a Facebook link or something like that. And they had, um, that night he had Charlie Phillips coming down, which is a, a, a really good um, black photographer, been around since the 60s, whatever. And I've always heard about him, never actually seen much of his work, because not a lot of his work's on the internet. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and broaden my horizon, see what's going on. And then w- when I went there, it was just amazing to see all these creatives you know, doing everyone lending to to what Charlie was doing to you know, and it was just a, a wicked night. And as I said, we I saw Lee there, and it was like, where did I know you from? I said, oh, you're the guy that was was um, trying to steal my ideas and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not yeah. Quite, wasn't yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, did you always want to be a father? Either of you, both of you. You want to start? Um, I think for myself, it's something that I've always wanted to do, but I just wasn't ready until I was ready. Um, I 
great father, despite his faults. Um, I grew up with both parents. It was just something I always wanted. I always had this master plan that I'd be married. I'd have my first child, would be a daughter, and my second child would be a son. And everything went to plan apart from the last bit. But um, <laughs> I'm enjoying it just the same. So yeah, I think that um, I've I felt like I had some sort of innate responsibility to raise some children in this world that seems to be distorted in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that because of my personality and my outlook on life and my values that I thought that I would make a meaningful contribution to the life of somebody who I could help to nurture from birth up into adulthood and that's been my driving force in terms of wanting to be a father at some stage in my life. Mm-hmm. What about you, Bamson? Um, hard question to answer. I always saw myself as a father at some point but I didn't realise that I was going to be a father that early. Um, had my son at 25, 24, sorry. Um, but I always knew I only wanted one child. No matter what happened, I, w- I only want one child because I'm an only child. Mm. And I just have this weird thing in my head that um, if if I'm going to have a child, I'm going to do the best by that child. So I, I can't I can't then have two kids and they both want to go to university. And I said, well, you're a bit smarter than you, so I'm going to pay for you. So I just had this thing in my mind that I'm going to have one child so I can do my best for that child mm. and that, that's so said so done it's interesting actually because i've got one daughter mm-hmm. and it was never my plan to have one daughter i was kind of planning for wow it didn't quite happen but yeah that was my dream to have four children i come from a family i'm one girl with six brothers and um but i've, I've got my one daughter and because she's an only child it's really interesting mm. she she feels differently i think she would like to have more than one child because of her experience of being an only child. And it's okay. interesting how, you know, people, different people have that experience and what yeah. it causes them to then do. Well, I'm one of five girls and I have no children and I don't miss not having children. <laughs> so I think that's going to work with me. Um, yeah. So my wife is, um, is an only child, but her mother's one of nine. Wow. Um, and then she grew up with, so most, I would say most of it, three or four of those ladies, so would be her aunties, had kids mm-hmm. and they all grew up in the same house. So even though she's an only child, she is she had these cousins around her that grew up like mm-hmm. brother and sister. So when I came with this plan now to have one child, she she was like, I'm not sure about this and you know, and then I was really adamant and insistent that that's that's what I'm doing. So if, if you're not with what I'm with then it's not gonna work and mm-hmm. you know it's it's Luckily, she agreed to that, so, so here we are all these years later. What makes a good father? Um, and what do you worry about the most in the current climate regarding your children? Current climate? Oh, that's a big old question. What makes a good father? Um, what makes you a good father? I'm just, I, I, some people might say... <laughs> um, what makes me a good father? I, I think... I allow a lot of latitude, but there is is a very hard line. There is a very sharp line. There is no gray area with me, but I allow a lot of room to get to that line um, for his personality to kind of um, come out, for him to explore a lot of things. We were even talking in the car when, you know, as he was growing up, it was exposed to everything I could afford to expose him to, you know, music, sports, the theater, whatever. So, and then whatever took his fancy, I encouraged that. So that that is the way I kind of worked it. Um, my my dad 
was a good man uh, he had his flaws um, and I took from him I tried to take from him the best that he gave me and not the worst if you see what mm. I mean and, and just build on that and and I don't think I don't think any one father is better than another because every child is different mm. every everyone has their own experiences so um, I don't know Lee what, what do you think do you think um, do you know what I think there's no absolutes <coughs> for me I mean, f- f- let's be very frank about something. Me being here talking about having children is like a coming out experience for me. Mm-hmm. So my social media will kind of depict somebody who's quite open about their life and shares everything or whatever else, but that's not quite the case. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no photographs of any of my children on there. Um, an ex-girlfriend who I was with for about seven or years or so messaged me one day on Facebook and said, I heard you have a child, is it true? Mm-hmm. And I thought, I just thought that's my private it's a private matter for me it's the most personal thing that I have in my life and if you don't know maybe you don't need to know if you're not around me if you're not engaged with my family if you don't if we don't see you on a regular basis why do you need to know that I've got kids mm. so I just took a totally different quite extreme and I think I'm changing a little bit now so for me um, what makes a good father a willingness to give unlimited effort towards the experience mm. and the journey so I think that I'm still learning. I thought that if I had children late, when I felt that I was ready, because ever since my wife and I have been married, it's always like, well, when are you having kids? You're not doing nothing, what happened? Um, there's a guinepsy here. So if you're from Jamaican, it sort of it means that you've got a low sperm count or something. Yeah. <laughs> not quite right downstairs. But um, it was all good. <laughs> We're just very um, cautious. cautious, very cautious, mm-hmm. thanks. So I think for me, um, I'm a firm disciplinarian. My daughter knows when I give her that eye, it's a no-no. We just stop right there because it ain't going any further. But in the same time, I'm continually learning. So I had to be realizing that I can't be too rigid with the discipline. She needs a certain amount of space to explore and to find out boundaries. Otherwise, she'll be that child in the class who's scared to answer questions. Mm. I've been there, done that, and it didn't help my learning experience. Mm. So I need my child to have her own personality and be free to express herself with respect and it's quite nice to see how I think we've got the balance right to some extent between my wife and I and it's quite cute to see when she does that cheekiness with this charisma and this charm that I just can't describe so for example she would call me Lee and you'll hear her she'll say daddy daddy Lee <laughs> and it's like it's just so cheeky and when you look at her eye she kind of just gives you back the eye but kind of smirks at the same time and it's so funny so whenever she wants something or she wants your attention and it's in a private sort of environment she knows where that limit is and then she'll start calling us by our first names which mm. only does it to me yeah. oddly enough I think maybe because of my ADHD and I can hyperfocus, so I might forget about things that are going on around me mm. or because I can just get distracted and it just sort of works so for us for me as a father, I think it's about trying to build that relationship where my daughter feels comfortable to speak to me. So my view is whatever she's done that is wrong or whatever mistakes that she's made, as long as she tells me about it, we can talk about it, work it through with very limited punishments. Mm-hmm. But if I have to hear about it or discover it for myself, then it's a slightly different scenario. I completely understand that. One of the things that my daughter always says to me, and I'm really proud of because I wanted to bring her up her to understand that she could talk to me mm-hmm. and that she could tell me anything so one of the things that she always says is mum one of the things I really like about you is that I can tell you anything 
and you don't react, mm -hmm. little does she know, <laughs> beneath the surface, you know, you know, like when you see the swan swimming like elegantly on the thing, and then underneath the legs are going, that's exactly what's happening when she's telling me this stuff, but of course, you know, you have to kind of have that relationship mm -hmm. with your children so that, that they feel mm -hmm. safe, you know, they feel safe. One of the things I wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to bring up something you mentioned about discipline, mm -hmm. and something that's been in the press just recently, in Scotland I think they have just um, yeah. banned parents mm -hmm. from spanking, spanking. Oh. Um, you know, and obviously you know, there are different thoughts around spanking and whatever, and I'm just really interested to know what you guys think in terms of taking away that act of discipline from parents. I want to know what you guys think in terms I, of I particularly because we come from Caribbean cultures yeah. where that's seen as part and parcel. I think it's a travesty. You need to take the Dutch pot cover and cook. I'm joking. I think that um, I'm not a fan of physically disciplining children. Mm. However, I think there are times when you need to do a little tap with two mm. fingers on their hand or whatever else. Mm. I think that sometimes, especially in the formative years, it's sort of how do you communicate that you've done something wrong and get them to understand it. Now everybody's got their own views and everybody's entitled to it, but I think that it's not about inflicting pain, but the act in terms of making them acknowledge that something mm. is wrong, and, and then as they develop in their maturity and their understanding, then you can move away from that type of stuff. So yeah, we've 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 tapped my oldest um, when needs be, but now we're at a place where we reason things through where the naughty corner has more effect and more impact, where I'm not talking to you because you're not behaving, so you've got five minutes time out. Daddy, but I wanna hear you. Sorry, and she knows at that time, you can't be calling me rude. That's the time when you, it's time for your discipline. So I think that because of the cases of parents who have taken things to an extreme in their physical mm -hmm. discipline of their child, there's been a need for some sort of sanctioning or involvement from the state. Whereas if we were more measured with it, then there wouldn't be that kind of a case. But if you're going to be beating your child and making their skin well and turn black and blue, that's abuse. Mm. And there's no other way to dress it up. And we can't endorse that kind of behaviour. Mm. I mean, kids have enough to go through on a day-to-day -day dealing with their peers, let alone when they come home. So I think that um, it's unfortunate that things have reached that stage where the state has to get involved in the parenting mm. process mm. and be putting in these sanctions. But the reality is we're living in a cold world where not everybody is able to rationalise and mm. exercise restraint. Ramsey, have you got any views on this well, topic? Um, my, my views are a bit um, counter to Caribbean traditions and norms. My thing is, <coughs> I grew up in Jamaica. Um, you know, I used to have to go and get my own torture device and yes, give it to yes. my parent <laughs> to torture me with it. Um, and and as I said, I grew up in Jamaica, and even to uh, to this day, you still get beaten in Jamaica with a belt and whatever. And Jamaica is one of the most violent countries in the world. Mm -hmm. So you can't tell me that beating kids is something that's going to make your society better. Mm -hmm. You know, um, violence begets violence. Um, and one of the things we as Caribbean, I hate to say Caribbean because I don't know much about any other Caribbean country. As a Jamaican we don't reason things through mm -hmm. the first thing we want to do is fight and one of the things i I'm, I'm a psychiatrist or whatever but it must be something to do with that you, you know the first thing your parents do when you do something wrong is beat you mm -hmm. they don't tell you why you done it wrong mm -hmm. what you need to do to fix it what, what you know what you shouldn't be doing you just get beaten mm -hmm. so you know if you don't understand you just do it again and you get beaten again so when you go your friend does something you don't like you beat him mm -hmm you know and so on and so on and so on and then that beating turned to a knife turned to a gun turned to you know a, a mug full of people so um and another thing i don't think 
I personally don't believe in, I don't think men, dads, should hit girls. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that in any part of their brain they should say it's all right for a man to hit me. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I, don't th I don't see that at all. Mm -hmm. So I think if they're going to do two taps on a bit, mommy has to come and do that. Mm -hmm. Because that, that, that's a different thing. For me personally, I'm not, not disrespecting your, your parenting skills. And, and one of the things I find also is if, if you question anyone's parenting in any way, it's a very no-no um, kind of place to go. So, so I kind of keep all these things in a bit because there's somebody now screaming at the, at the radio or, or wherever they're listening to this. Oh, he's wrong. He's this and he's that. But it's, it's interesting, actually, because one of the things that one of the reasons why we do this mm. was to share the things that we're doing in the community, the things that we know that work, and mm. also just to debate why we're doing the things that we do, you know, and, and hopefully people will learn. Because one of the things that no one teaches you is how to be a parent. No one exactly. teaches you how to discipline. All you do you either do exactly what was done to you or you decide that you're going to do the opposite mm -hmm. you know and i think without having these conversations you know we have to have these conversations we need to know where we're at as a, as a community especially because of what's going on out there but i'm going to touch on the thing about disciplining and bringing the the weapon whatever it was to discipline the child <laughs> weapon. A, lot, a lot of times when you see parents disciplining their child and putting a form of aggression towards the child in terms of that discipline that they need to or they feel the need to pour out or administer to their child, it's usually about ego more than discipline. So the mm. parent feels embarrassed, you're in the supermarket and the child's acting mm. up and you feel this need to respond or you're at a family mm. event or at a church service or mm. whichever other religious faith group you belong to, etc. And you're responding because you feel embarrassed by the way your child is conducting themselves as opposed to what the child has actually done. Mm. And that's why I believe that the reasoning is, far, is so much more important and carries so much more weight. And also I think for me personally, I know that I'm hot-headed in nature mm. and I've had to over the years learn from a teenager coming up that sometimes you need to take five minutes out before you even address mm -hmm. the issue because mm -hmm. you're not even in the right frame of mind to speak to the child about it and sometimes parents we just get over ourselves but remember I think a lot of it is a narrative that we have accepted as our own and it's out of date and a lot of the time I think there mm. is this tension between parents particularly our, 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 I'm Jamaican too um, but when I speak to other friends who may be Ghanaian and Nigerian over the years, um, uh, there is this tendency to view children as the enemy to some degree or your product. Um, so, for example, so it's you know the whole thing about you know Victorian times and your children should be seen and not heard. I think a lot, a lot of Caribbean cultures and, and speaking specifically about Jamaica is you know rule me. And I think when you have that actually not ruling mm. me, which means that children have a particular role and place, and mm. it's almost like I'm the parent, so what I say go. But there's also underlying idea that if you don't control your children, your children control you. Mm. And I think that sometimes we're now in a space that we can have these conversations where we need to challenge that narrative. It's like being Jamaican means you beat your children. Being Jamaican means that your children don't rule you. I mean, if I had a daughter, the, the, the underlying thing she would know is that my daddy never hit me, so yes. no mother man should be able yeah. to hit me. And that, that's the way I, I if, if I had a daughter, that's the way it would go. Um, boys, on the other hand, sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm torn because I think there's a time where you get this sort of crossover in the teenage years. There is this crossover from boyhood to manhood mm -hmm. and there is this need to, you know, to puff up your chest and mm -hmm. say, I'm a man now. And then you know for f as, as a father there is a, a need to say look 
you know this is still my house you, you know so so there is but i don't think it should but as as the father you need to see that and know that that's what's happening because it went you went through it i went through it with my dad so i could see that coming and i could reason it through you know and i think one of the the, the things about parenting is you need it's a job and you need to work at it and you need to be thinking ahead um because a lot of what i notice with with parenting and, and people who come to me and say oh what about you know my son this much they never thought that they never thought that the son would get to 16 you mm -hmm. know there, there was no plan in place there was no um i keep i have a friend of mine brian we, we talk all the time about his his sons are sort of like five years behind mine so we talk and and you know and one of the things we talk about the programming the programming you you need to program them from the early years so they know right and wrong mm -hmm. and then you can build upon that programming mm -hmm. you know it, it's there's no no if you let them run as we say in jamaica lego beasts if you make them be lego beasts from from three four to, to to 12 and then you expect to rein them in when they're a teenager that horse is bolted you know and and all that reasoning and all, you can't do that at 12 13 because they don't want to hear that they, they have to have the programming in them so even though they're not listening to what you're saying that program is they just know right and wrong they just know it mm -hmm. you know and that's a part of them so they won't go too far towards the edges yeah. you know i think one of the key things as well though is that knowing right and wrong is not by comes about just by being told it's about exposure to those decision making processes and how you deal with difficult situations so for example when you've been stopped by the police on the road and you know you've done nothing wrong how you respond to that scenario going to have a direct impact on your children mm -hmm. when you're um, you're in conflict with your partner how your child sees you engage and have these discussions or these heated arguments is going to determine what your child thinks is acceptable mm -hmm. and what they're going to mimic and i think that i always use a scenario where every single child goes through a phase where they play a game where they hit you and then you hit them back and it's like they're, they're trying to see how hard they can go before you get upset and that's teaching them that boundary and if you're keeping it soft or you're saying no that's not how we play then they're going to know that but they're going to also be watching to see are you a hypocrite or is what you've been saying to me the real thing? So how we develop that relationship with mm -hmm. our child, which is what I think you refer to as yeah. the programming, is got to be key. But it also extends beyond that because the relationship extends beyond just the two of you, but also the other people that your child sees you interact with on a daily mm -hmm. basis and how you treat those people. And yeah, who you bring around and yeah. what decisions yeah. you, you put in place. One of the things, just to pick up on what you said earlier, one of the things that really upsets me when I see it is a parent saying bad things about a teacher in front of the child mm. if you have a problem with the teacher the children should never know this is a partnership the child the teacher and the parent is a partnership you're trying to grow this child whether or not you hate that woman or that man or whatever and you don't think they're very good at their job or whatever the child shouldn't know that because then then they can play you off against him and 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 so i think that's one of the things as well you need to to as parents we need to 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 just just keep your mouth shut when you're around your child mm. go in the bedroom and talk to the wife or the husband whatever and, and and have those conversations but the child should never know that you know mm. one of the repeated themes that we see coming up in the father's forum when we meet once a month in Croydon <coughs> is the way in which when the relationship's broken down and the parents are separated the way in which it's quite often that you can see where mothers are slating the fathers in front of the child your mm. dad's no good or mm. this worthless man's not giving your child doesn't as far as I'm concerned, has no business knowing the difficulty that That's you have right. with your partner. And I think as a parent, your responsibility is if you've got nothing good to say about your the parent of your child, then 
say nothing at all. Mm. You know, and I'm really tired of when Mother's Day comes around, Father's Day rather, and you see, for want of a better description, the angry black women coming out and speaking about, well, I don't know, I'm, I father my child too. You know, there's really no need. And there are the reality is, is that despite the stereotype, there are good black men out there who are parenting their, their children or co-parenting and doing the best that they can within their means. And sometimes it's because of the influence of friends of their partner and the seeds of discord that's been, and the hair, hairsay and the carrying of income and all the rest mm. of it that causes that relationship to break down even further. So I'm, I'm really a believer in exactly what you said about re- relation to the teachers, but also in, relations to, in relationship to our partners. So if you're in a broken relationship or even if you're in a, one that's working, the mother or the father shouldn't be saying anything negative about each other within the earshot of the child. It's just I, not acceptable. I, I just want to, you mentioned about the forum, the father's forum. Um, I want to refer now to this whole notion of the good black father being the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. And how you feel about that, because the fact you've got the father's forum that exists, you know, that shows there's fathers there who may need support, may struggle with the whole notion of being a father but how do you feel about that because some of those um that perspective is held within black communities you know and reinforced within black communities first off i have to do a shout out to emmanuel jato because i think that what he's done with the father's form recording is really amazing um it's a small group of men about 20 in number um that exists in the physical meetings and then there's a there's, a, there's another whatsapp group which was the original formation of the group which of about 30 mm-hmm. men and we span four generations so we're talking mm-hmm. about a man yeah. in his 70s that comes out and a guy who's 21 and we just have these free discussions and I think that the media is really guilty in this country of painting some really harsh unrealistic untrue narratives of black fathers mm-hmm. um, I think the gingerbread um, charity mm-hmm. did a report about um, single parents in the UK and only 21% of single parents in the UK are actually from a BME household. Now that BME household that we're talking about is not just black men we're talking about that fall in that 21%, but we're also talking about white men who are non-British. Mm-hmm. So if we were to break that down even further and have even greater stats, then that percentage of um, single parent households that belong to black families would be even less. Mm-hmm. So all this talk about absent black fathers and the majority of single households where it's because the black father's not there I'm not sure how strong those stats are mm. and how much they stand up to the litmus test that exists. So we're already fighting that negative narrative and we're already having to push back and we're already on a back foot because everywhere we turn is something um, negative that we're seeing about black fathers. That's why I don't even do the soap opera business. And there's some people saying that this thread just feels like it's about man bashing and stuff. So I feel that we tend to jump on those negative stories far more than we do the positive. And as a result of that, it's causing they say perception is reality for some people. So we're causing this perception that some people are acknowledging as a reality of fathers not being there. But once a month, I see 15, 20 men coming together who are talking about their concerns about, for some, it's not having access to their children and how it's making them feel depressed. We've had people sharing about thinking, feeling suicidal about not being able to access their kid. I've seen one father come in and share that, you know, imagine I'm there for my child, I do everything, but now I have to communicate with the mother of my child via email because anything else, I've got no evidence of it. Imagine I took a day off of work to go to my child's play. My child performed, I was there. I was one of the few fathers that was there. He come, he ran over to his mom, he looked at me. Even now, my son hasn't acknowledged me. 
what did the mother do? She never corrected the son. So he's left to, to, to feel that you're sowing these seeds of discord and coming between my relationship with my child and how dare you see me there and not even send him over to me to speak to him. I had no engagement with my child at his event that I took the day off of work to come and see. Now I don't care how bad a father you are or what kind of resentment the mother of your child has towards you. There's right and there's wrong. And mm -hmm. that is wrong on every single account. So for me, I feel that as a society, as a black community, we've got a long way to go in supporting our fathers and highlighting those who are doing it right. It's just causing a lot of unnecessary distress and trauma in some cases for people that they need not experience. Mm -hmm. I'm taking a little, a little detour on that one there. I just think if you're a good father, you're a good father. I, I don't think you should get a cookie for being a good father. You know, if you're a good father, that's that's mm -hmm. it. Um, there are a lot of problems with a lot of women, or and as you mentioned before, Lee. But I, I'm just quietly doing my thing. I'm doing I'm I'm doing the best I can for my kid. I don't want a prize. I don't want a cookie. All I want to see is him do well, and that's my job. I've done. I think I've done my job well, um, and I'm. I'm, I'm not looking for any validation for that. Um, and I'll just sit, when you were talking, I was just sitting here thinking, I'm not looking for any validation, for, but I'm here talking on a podcast saying about fatherhood. So I'm, I'm a bit, my mind is a bit confused at the moment, but at the same time, my core thinking is good fathers should just get on and do it. There are problems you're gonna face and that, and that, that should be highlighted, but the good fathers, you won't hear about them because they just, Sticking so over. Have, sorry to interrupt. What do you I think? To, I have to say something though. But look, say your thing. Say your piece. You and I are coming from a position of privilege. Fair enough. So I, I, I acknowledge that. We're, we're two big, full-grown men who have children with mm -hmm. two good women mm -hmm. that we love and are in committed relationships mm -hmm. to, that we're married to, that we lay down beside every night. Yeah. So we don't need no validation because all the validation we want is beside our pillow at night. For yeah. our next man now who has this conflict with his partner and is trying his best, and that partner might be fighting every single positive thing that he does. For that person who might not have the support network that we have as friends, I'm blessed because I know at the end of the day, if I can't be there to take out my kids, I can lean on you. Yeah. And I know that you'll be there 100%. Yeah. Some guys don't have that. So if you're in a situation where you've been told at every single step that you're not good enough, where you're, you, you can hardly keep down your job and you're trying your best, your job's preventing you because you're on a zero hours contract from, from accessing your children in the days that are assigned to you, right? But at the same time, you still got responsibility to submit child support and then you're putting your best foot forward and going through having to go to a food bank to get your dinner. And then at the end of the day, you're being slated on social media and everywhere else on Snapchat and all the other foolishness because your baby mother doesn't believe that you're doing a good job. By what standards? By the standards set by her and her friends? So I'm not saying that people need to have medals or whatever else, but I believe that encouragement sweetens labor. I believe that in the situation where we live now in this society, which is very much tilted against the black male living in the UK, that there is a need for encouragement from whatever angle you can get it from, not just for being a father, but anywhere where you step up. Can I, 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 I just want to say, um, coming from, uh, obviously from the opposite side, from, from, mm. from motherhood, and, um, and having a father to my child who is an exceptional father, he is an exceptional black man and an exceptional father to our child, and we broke up, and uh, one of the things that we made a conscious decision not to do was to bring our child into the middle of our breakup. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that it's important for us to say this here because this happens all the time. You know, we as, as people, we need to keep our shit separate mm -hmm. from our children. 
that's what we need to do, you know, because it's painful. Breakups are painful. We know well, that they're I, painful, but at the same time, you have to put that child first. That child mm. is not the child's fault that, you're, that, that the two of you have broken down. It's not the child's fault that you might not end up living in the same house. So how can that child be then used as a pawn? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this doesn't happen. We know this happens, but part of this podcast is about talking about why we shouldn't be doing these things. People need to listen and understand that you cannot be bringing your children into the middle of these things. But I just want to step in, Ramson, I know you wanted to say something. I just want to add another perspective because I don't have children, um, but in terms of my father, my relationship with my birth father, um, it's and my, how my mum managed that because my father was an, was physically present but absent. He was also violent. He had no interest in his children. Um, my mum had the good sense, thankfully, to divorce him, um, and he chose not to pay child support. My mum took him to court, and then she just gave up and said, "You know what? I don't want that energy in the mm -hmm. space anyway because it's just distressing for me and distressing for us because she'd come back and." You know, it's like despite the fact the judge said you need to pay, he flouted that. Now he must be put in prison. Um, and but amidst all that, what my mum made sure she did, and this is a completely different generation we're talking. You know, my mum's going to be soon going to be eighty, but she said he's your father, despite and he was not a father as far as I was concerned. He didn't express that in any way, shape, or form. But she said, look, you know, we've divorced, but if you want to see him, I don't want to deprive you from seeing him. Um, and he sometimes didn't turn up to pick us up on a Saturday or a Sunday after church. And then he got to the point where I said, you know, Mum, I appreciate what you're doing, but I actually don't want to see him. And even when he did pick us up, he'd cook us food and go into a completely different room and not sit with us and eat. You know, so I could go down many routes with that. But what, in keeping what you're saying, what balanced that out was my mother, who should be the angriest out of all of mm -hmm. us about this man, despite the fact that he let her down and let us down, she still gave us the option to say, if you want to have a relationship with him, I don't want to deprive you of that. And then when we all said, we tried and it's not working, she respected that. Do you see what I mean? And I think that, so why I'm saying that as well, I mean, she remarried, and most of you met my stepdad, who I don't call him stepdad, he's my dad. He's been in my life way, way longer than my birth father. And, um, we've got a fantastic relationship and I've seen how he treats my mum, you know, and, and that's all panned out incredibly well. Um, and again, about choices and we have the discussion and he even talks to my dad, he sees my dad and he goes, how are you? He goes, family's doing really, really well. Because he, in his mind, he goes, how on earth could you step away from this woman and this family? And that's the, that's the issue about men being encouraged to reinforce the positives rather than negatives mm -hmm. as a sign of masculinity. And that's an issue, I think. Um, well, can I butt in just there? Because because what you're saying was leading on to the point I was trying to make was, um, <laughs> what what I'm saying is, but what 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 I think Lee is doing is conflating bad mothers with good fathers. There's two that's two separate subjects. Mm. What you're talking about is bad mothers over there. You're not mm. talking about good fathers. Good fathers is a different thing. Those guys who are trying to do the best, those are good fathers. But you can't sort of even though it's a mother and a father that raises a child, you can't sort of uh, bunch them into the same thing. The bad mothers are the bad mothers because there are mothers there who will appreciate a man who is um, doing all these things. And, so, so, and, that, and that works. What you're, what you're really highlighting there is the exceptions to, to the 80% that you mentioned earlier. So you have 80% of good fathers thing going on, 21% of, 
of single single parents. But what you're doing is you're taking the, the worst mothers out of that situation and highlighting that. So in a way, you're kind of highlighting the, 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 the opposite side of the same coin. That's what I'm doing. I think what I'm trying to say is that there are good men out there, and I believe that as a good man, there's, there's, there, you're deserving of recognition for that. If we live in a society mm -hmm. where perpetually coming through the media is negativity about black men in general, even more so around parenting. We look at the situation with knife crime. And I was listening to Akalos speak, an old video that he put up some time ago that was so poignant to this point. They make it look as if in the media, knife crime is a black thing. Mm -hmm. When you go to and Scotland not, and Ireland and these places where they have even higher rates in certain areas yes, over certain right. periods of time Boxer, than we have here, it's not black people. Right. So in the same way, they're looking at parenting and making like black fathers are not stepping up. Mm -hmm. When I look at dope black dads and look at that movement that they've got across mm -hmm. the UK right now, I'm one of the WhatsApp groups, it's for the South East London for dope black dads, it's oversubscribed if yes. I had to start another one, mm -hmm. right? And those are positive men. Every day there's like a thousand messages talking about positive things, sharing advice about how you can take your children out and engage with them in places that's affordable, all kinds of tips and advice. So what I'm trying to say is there are a large number of black men out there doing good and it's not a phenomenon it's just the norm mm. exactly 100 yeah. exactly look i just want to step in here because we we're gonna to have to start winding down this podcast soon and you can see as usual we have fantastic guests that make it very very clear that we can't ever just have one podcast on one topic because there's too many <laughs> layers to it um one thing i wanted to ask because you know our final questions i mean one thing i wanted to ask both of you um your entry point to being fathers is different um, I'm just curious about what you would say your biggest learning point has been. How have you surprised yourself? What's the biggest thing your being a father has taught you about you? <laughs> wow. Um, having, having my son so young, one of the things uh, that hit me was um, how it changed, it, it changed my, what's the word? Hustle is the only word I can use. It, it changed my hustle. At the time I was like, yeah, money comes in goes out and i wasn't saving nothing I, I wasn't really interested in buying a house none of that um you have a kid and if you want to do it right you have to have a nest for them you know mm -hmm. so you, and, and you want to own that nest because you know so how are you going to do that you're going to have to start working harder you're going to have to start putting some money away you're going and all these things started to you know to to add up and and, and it got to a point where it, it made me a man you know i, I, I I grew up over it, you know. It, it made me grow up, and um, and I was very fortunate to grow up with my wife. You know, we grew up together, so so you know we learned together, and and um, and we were able to produce. You know, what 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 is this twenty four year twenty four year old kid at the moment doing? Doing, I think he's doing well. So you know, it, it's been a journey, um, and there's a lot of learning points along the way, but. I think the biggest thing was it, it made me grow up and quickly, mm. like overnight. <laughs> me? <laughs> um, wow. It's, remain, it's made me realise how scared I am about life, man. <laughs> it's, probably not, it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but it is. Um, I never looking had, for your answer. I never had kids before because I was like, boy, if I was to have a child and not be able to provide for them, it would break my heart and I couldn't deal, mm. I couldn't deal with that. And um, I realized now having a child that it's, it's the future is it's scary. It's frightening thinking about what's the next step. Right now I'm going through the process where with my eldest child, I'm trying to find primary schools. 
I went to the most amazing primary school that had everything I wanted for my child. And I'm told that you have to be within 700 meters if you want to get access wow. to it. I live two miles away. Oh my God. I went to another one that was around the corner from my house and I went in to cry. It was a disaster. And it just made me feel, it just made me realize, yeah, it's scary, but you just have to prepare and deal with what you have to deal with. And it makes me realize that, you know, I'm up to the task, number one. Number two, that my daughters are the source of my strength. That when it feels like it's overbearing, it's more than I can manage. I just look at their eyes and it's like, you know what, these are my diamonds, man. Mm. And I'm going to polish them. I'm going to showcase them. Well, I'm not on social media, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try my best to push them in whatever positive direction I can. So I think one of the things I've learned is despite the fact that it's, uh, it can be quite a daunting thought to think about the future for them and when you see where the world is going with Brexit and the rest of it, um, I realise that the love that I have for them is so strong and powerful that even in the darkest of moments, it will help me to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And sake of them, I'm able to pursue that light and just keep reaching towards it. I have just one final question, and it's something to share with the community. If you had one piece of advice for fathers out there about being a good father, what would it be? Me? Stick at it. No matter what you're going through, if you're going through that worst situation, that darkest thing that Lee just described, stick at it because there comes a point when when the kid actually comes through the other side um, and they will say something to you, just that little thing, and you will know that, yeah, they they appreciate what you've done, you know. Um, that guy that you're describing, you know, going to the food bank and going to his, his kid's recital and, and not getting, there will come a time when that boy will become a man and he will say, you know what, daddy did try, you know, and that's all you can do, you can just try. You know, and, and use the tools that you have. You, you can't do nothing more than what you can do. Do you know what? I think carrying on from what you've just said is that we all can only do what we can do, but sometimes you have to remind yourself of exactly who you are and the strength and character that you have within your own inner self. And when you can't see that, I think it's important to not hold a mirror up, but put on those glasses that allow you to see yourself clearly through the lens of your child to every child that has a relationship with their father we're heroes yeah, that there's is nothing Superman. we can't do we've yeah. got our cape on <laughs> the coolest mask you can think of yeah. and, and you're ready to go out there and fight crime and save the world so I think in our own little way whatever we're doing for our children we're actually saving the world in their eyes mm. so I just say put on that child's lens throw that cape around your back and take off thank you guys well look Samson, Lee, thank you so much. Um, it was worth the wait. So, <laughs> definitely. And not once did we mention Sean Paul. That's for another time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everybody asks me, oh, Sean Paul. <laughs> See, okay, I am a person. I am actually a person. <laughs> and, and, and we now know you as well. Um, but thanks again. No yeah, problem. thank you guys. That's no fantastic. problem. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.